Let's pray, brethren, before we start. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for this time that we come as a body to worship and glorify your name. All the praises, Lord, that show your goodness, your mercy to us, how good you are, Father. Uh, coming this time, we are spirit. Apply your word for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, today we're going to talk about the contentment and generosity in the life of a Christian. I've been preaching on Philippians. And in chapter 4 is the text that we're going to focus today. But before I get into the text, uh, as a way of introduction, as I was preparing the sermon, I was thinking about <clears throat> how naturally we try to achieve, you know, financial success and accumulate material possessions in order to feel fulfilled, in order to feel that we have success. Um, how common it is that people admire out in society those that have a lot of wealth, financial wealth, fame, politically or intellectually, and how that is the sign of success in the life of a person. But we see in a scripture that is a completely different thing. <clears throat> and that brought to my mind uh, this great conqueror in Greece, Alexander the Great, how he conquered amazing amounts of territory from Greece to India. And at his death, he asked, actually, doctors carry his casket. And a lot of jewels that he has and things of a lot of value were being thrown as they were carrying his casket for his funeral. And another thing that he asked that was really odd was that his arm be put outside of the casket. Um, in, when I saw that, that tape, it says that he wanted the doctors to carry the casket to show that no man, no matter how smart, intelligent it is, can stop death. He asked them to throw his jewels and things of a lot of value to show that nothing will be taken after this life with us. And the last thing was his arm went outside of the casket to show that we go empty-handed to eternity. And that kind of brought to my mind the things that I was reading in the text, how this man that didn't know God, as far as I know, show the reality, no matter how much success somebody has, at the end is the finality. There's nothing that we can take. And we'll see today in Scripture how different that is for the Christian lives, to have that contentment only in God. And for that, we will see the contentment, what it is contentment, the source, the cause of contentment, and what is the generosity that comes out of that. 
and what is the root of that. And at the end, we'll briefly touch on the relationship between contentment and generosity. And if you can go with me to Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> and we're going to read from the verses in Philippians 1 to 20, but we're going to focus mainly on 10 to 20, but I will read the, the whole chapter pretty much there. Therefore, my beloved, and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Judea and I implore Sintic to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, through companion, help these women who labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learn and receive and hear and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving by you only. For even in Thessalonica, you send again, you send aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, <clears throat> I have all and abound. I am full, having received 
from Epaphroditus, the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. And we will be focusing on those ten verses of the chapter, and we see the final exhortation of Paul to this beloved church that he had in his heart. Um, starting from the verse one, he's telling them how he feel completely caught up by Christ and completely satisfied in him. And we see after he tells them the things that he are to keep in mind in verses uh, 8 through 9, in verse 10 is when he starts the part that we're going to touch. And I read verse 10 again through 13. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you care for me has flourished again. The brethren in Philippi sent to Paul supplies, uh, the offering and the gift that he needed to satisfy his needs in prison. This epistle was written when he was imprisoned at a time when the inmates were not sustained by the government. So your relative, your family, friends were the person that were to suppose to supply your needs. So you imagine in that case, if you didn't have anybody, you will be hungry, in need, in a lot of affliction for a long time if nobody supplied to you. And the apostle is praising them for their desire and the willingness to participate with him in helping and giving. And we see the second part of that of the verse when he says, though you surely did care, but you lacked the opportunity. They wanted for a while to send the gift to Paul, but that was not possible. And we <clears throat> saw in what we've been preaching before in the Hispanic service, how Epaphroditus, this beloved brethren, brother, sent the help to the point that he was about to lose his life. At the time when they didn't have any means to send uh, mails or no cars, was in horses, he got sick to the point that Paul was concerned that he may die. And that's how they made the help get to Paul. And the apostle now is thanking them for their gift. But more than that, we see... In verse 11, surprisingly, that he says that not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And content we can define in what I was looking for, the meaning of the word, to be satisfied with what we are and we have and with what we have. 
So the Apostle Paul, surprisingly, has learned to be satisfied in the midst of a lot of needs and suffering. Being in prison, no liberty, no regular food, a lot of needs, he was changed to a guard, so he couldn't even move around without being changed with somebody else. And in the midst of tremendous suffering, he says that he has learned to be content. Um, he tells them that he has learned in whatever state I am, second part of verse 11, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And we see how he tells them the reason now, or the root of that contentment, what is. Obviously, it's not in being satisfied in the needs that he has. His contentment was not coming from circumstances or for moments or times of abundance. The apostle is in a lot of needs, and in the midst of that, he's telling them how he is satisfied. Verse, verse 13 explains that. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul has found in Christ the reason of his contentment. Um, for us to think of something like that is amazing in the times of abundance that we live. How somebody with uh, the most basic needs lacking in his life not having food or clothing, the most basic freedom, literally, to the point that he couldn't move more than a small space, could find that satisfaction. Um, as Christians, we are to look at that as the example, example that we are to follow. The example that we are to follow in this case, in Paul, living a life of difficulty, that when our time of difficulty comes, in the midst of suffering, we too could find satisfaction. And that satisfaction is going to be found in no other than Christ. If we know what we have in him, and that will be the main, <clears throat> the main factor, who we are in Christ... Being contentment, satisfaction with what we are, if we know that we are his children, that our identity is in our adoption in him, children of the Most High, having heaven, eternity, having glorification in the future coming for us, having Christ dwelling with us eternally as our future, and presence with his spirit in this life, in every trial and need, should be the main thing that will support, sustain our life in these ever-changing times that we live. 
And we see how the apostle expressed the connection that this contentment is going to have with being generous, with generosity. Not only the Christian based the success or achievement in his life on having material possessions or having financial wealth or a big reputation or name in society, but not only in that factor, but we are to be generous, not only to accumulate, but actually the scripture tells us the opposite. The opposite of we just building wealth or fame or reputation for society, not only the scripture doesn't call us to that, but to be generous, to be willing to share of the things that God supplies to us, be our talents, our time, our knowledge, even our material possessions or money to supply the needs of his people. And in verse 14 through 20, verse 14 through 20, the apostle says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. In verse 14, he recognizes the goodness and the love of these brethren by participating in, their, in his needs. Um, he quotes them as being help, helpful to him not only now that he's in prison, but in the past. In verse 15, he tells them, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. They have sent to Paul before for his needs when he left uh, Macedonia, that is the region where Philippi was uh, located. <clears throat> and we see this, how the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 10, where he is uh, praising the churches in Philippi. I'm reading there, the apostle tells them in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hope, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge 
Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were deciding to do a year ago. So we see that the generosity that the brethren in Philippi show, we see other churches in the region of Macedonia doing the same thing. And not only in times of abundance, these churches were eager to help the brethren in Jerusalem that were in a very difficult situation. But they had a lot of financial and material needs, the same churches in Macedonia. And how, out of that poverty, their love for Christ and their contentment and joy in Christ abound for the liberality. They gave this offering having need themselves. And we see the connection there when Paul tells them that Christ must be our pattern. And we see here they following that example. In, in verse 8, when Paul tells them that he don't give them a commandment, but for to the Corinthians brethren, when he wrote the letter, but that he is trying to test their love by the diligence of others. The diligence of the brethren in Philippi, the churches in Macedonia, by giving out of their poverty, was an example that Paul was calling the brethren in the Corinthian church to imitate. And he put a game, the same thing that he does in Philippians chapter 2, the example of Christ, as our model as our perfect paradigm to follow. And we see in verse number 9, in Second, Second Corinthians 8, that Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes be, he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Christ left his throne of glory, being with the Father on all eternity, and came down and took human form, became a man in the incarnation, and left all his glory, not that the Lord didn't have glory in itself, but left his throne to become a man. And even though he was sinless, he walked this earth, having multiple needs, hunger, pain, suffering, rejection, and all of that 
for the love of the Father and for us. And we see that this is the same example that we are being called to imitate. So when the world looks for contentment in possessions, in needs, in material wealth, we are to look for that contentment in Christ and only in him. And to imitate the same thing, in the same way that Christ humbled himself, we are to willingly and with readiness give of our time, talents, and money because our ultimate satisfaction is to be in Christ. And we see the same example in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, where we are called to not be unsatisfied if we are already with food and clothing. The scripture tells us through Paul in verse 6 through 8 that we are to be satisfied, content with what we have now. And having shelter and food, we should be satisfied if we have Christ. It's the same example over and over that the scripture put for us for we to imitate. In the book of Acts, In chapter 20, verse up, 35, we read, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's more blessing when we give away of our time, talents, material possessions, it is more blessed because we get in exchange that sweet fellowship, that intimate fellowship with Christ. We experience his love, that communion that cannot compare to anything else that when we actually receive the material good. So we see how Paul is uh, telling the brethren in the book of Acts that there's more blessing in giving away than receiving material possessions. Um, in the verses, verse 6 of First uh, Timothy chapter 6 that I read, the first verse, chapter 6, in chapter 6 says, Now godliness with contentment is great Gain. When we show satisfaction in the midst of difficulty and even suffering, we are show, showing the unique treasure that is Christ that cannot compare to anything else that we have or anybody else for that matter. So the relationship of contentment and generosity comes from a heart that is full of Christ. And the same thing comes for generosity. And I like a definition that John Piper gave of love, that is the overflow 
of joy in God that gladly meets the needs of others. So when we are walking in fellowship with him, when we are dwelling in his word, in prayer, in meditation, applying that to our daily life in a surprising, amazing way that we cannot even explain with words, that become so unique and special that we in need and suffering can have contentment, satisfaction, and that at the same time will enable us to do things that we otherwise never do, never be able to do. And that can be, in this example, the generosity, the being ready and willing to give of us. And that's how even some martyrs has given their life for the sake of the gospel with contentment. And that is the amazing thing of the Christian life that you see this dilemma, this paradox in suffering but having joy, in need but feeling that you have everything because you have Christ. In the book of Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, verse 34, the writer writes, oh, For you had compassion on, on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and unenduring possession for yourself in heaven. Those brethren went to visit those that were in prison. There were brethren in prison at the time. So a group of brethren went to visit them, and it's not clear what happened, or their goods were confiscated by the authorities when they knew that they were Christians, or somebody robbed their houses. The end point was that they lost their goods by one way or another. And the amazing thing is that it says the text that they accepted the plundering of your goods with joy. But that was not a joy because they were masochists, because they enjoy losing what they have. No. If we think the second part of the verse is the same topic, knowing, but in this case it's not like intellectual knowledge, it's the experience of walking with Christ and experiencing his love, his mercy, his care, his supply in everything. And it says, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourself in heaven. Salvation, holiness, the love of God, glorification coming, all those spiritual and heavenly blessings that nothing in this life can take away from, away from us. Nor death, nor suffering, nor rejection, nothing. And we are calling this way to do the same thing. In, in 2 Corinthians, in, the chapter, in chapter 9, after Paul has praised the churches in Macedonia, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 6, he says, 
but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. The Lord will supply to us what we need, not only in many cases for our daily satisfaction of the basic necessities, but to share with those in need. And again and again we go back to the example of Christ. And we see that God has a re The, the Lord has a, a re, where the Lord has a reward for those in Christ that do that. Look at verse ten in Second Corinthians chapter nine. Now he that supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. While by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men and by their prayer for you which long after long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. We see that contentment is rooted in Christ. And that prepares our hearts for generosity. To be ready and willing to give of what we have. And we see that this not only brings thanksgiving from one person to another. But more than anything glorifies the name of Christ and conform us to the image of Christ. So in this uh, exhortation, the apostle is calling us to be conformed to him. So in conclusion, we saw what is contentment, what is the root of contentment, generosity, what it is, and what is the cause of that generosity. That is Christ. And the relationship between con contentment and generosity. In a, in a paradoxical way, the being generous does not depend on how much we have, but in the heart that we have for Christ. And we see the example of these brethren giving of themselves
when they were in need. And we saw the example of Christ being rich, left his throne of glory for love to us. And we are called to the same thing. Um, uh, we can get a couple of applications here from this. And one will be what, to ask ourselves what brings contentment to your life. When you are in a difficult situation, health, family, financial, that's going to come over and over, don't look at the difficult times without looking at Christ. Don't look, and I remember a pastor in Dominican Republic, Pastor Suhel Michelin, he will say, when you look at, want to know how much God loves you, don't look at your circumstances, but look at the cross. That's where we are to look at the love of God for us, not in the moment, but that sacrifice in the cross to supply every need that we have. So, think about what you are going through now and how it is impossible in this life to find complete satisfaction. But God's telling us, don't look at those things, but to me. So, first of all, the contentment, pray to the Lord. And asking, forgive me, Lord, if I haven't seen things this way. That we can find that contentment, not in human achievement, not in circumstances, even though it's something to be thankful to God, but ultimately in Christ. In Him and Him alone. And seeing that the generosity of our time, our talents, the things that we may know, that we may share with somebody else, the being there, helping with the kingdom, for the kingdom, is not going to depend necessarily on how much we have or how good we are at the moment, but in where our heart is at, at that moment. What is filling our heart? What is the treasure of our heart? So may pray to the Lord that he may put these things in our heart. So let's pray. Thank you, Father, that your word, even though preached by a weak and imperfect man, is powerful through your spirit. Apply it, Lord. That contentment and a generous heart may be a characteristic of us as a body, as individuals, and as believers in your kingdom. And Father, we pray for anyone here that may not know you. These truths are not for them, but we ask them to repent and believe in Christ, so that they can have real contentment in him. We praise you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen.